Welcome to CBJN30, the official podcast of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McElligot. Draft week is finally here. Yes, the Blue Jackets are going to add more members to their organization starting on Wednesday night in Nashville. And it begins with the third overall pick in this year's draft. So as we get back to some real good, solid hockey stuff here over the next couple of weeks, we've got the draft coming up this week. Development camp will be underway next week. Free agency is also going to be part of next week. I mean, it starts on July the 1st. I don't know what the Blue Jackets are going to do if they do anything, but if they're going to, that's when it is going to be. So here we are, right back into the thick of it, and I'm glad to have you along with me. Now, if you haven't already sent me a question via Twitter at Bobby Mac Sports, which uh, some of you already have, so you're good, you're in the queue, you're ready to go. But if you happen to be listening live on Twitter Spaces and you would like to ask your question live to me, all you have to do is a request to be a speaker, and I'll bring you up, and you can do just that. So the Blue Jackets uh, heading off to Nashville. Staff already uh, getting there. I'm going in tonight. A lot of us are going in uh, tonight. We'll be there for the uh, – tomorrow the prospects are available. They make about the, maybe the top ten prospects available to the media around lunchtime tomorrow. And, uh, and of course, the first round is coming up on uh, Wednesday night. As I said, so uh, the first round Wednesday, second through seven rounds, all on Thursday, and then right back here to Columbus to get ready for development camp, which is going to begin on the weekend. So that's what it looks like. That's what the schedule looks like. And uh, we're going to be there live for you from the draft. I'll be there with Jody Shelley and Dylan Tyre. We'll be breaking it down, uh, bringing you some shows. I'll tell you as I get to the end of this program today what, uh, what we're looking at or what you can expect here over the course of the next couple of days so that you can uh, jump right on board and be part of it with all of us. All right, so that's what we are going to do. So let me uh, get to uh, the questions that I have already gotten today on Twitter and uh, start to go through all of those for you. And the first one comes from Coleman Groove, and Coleman's question is, what will the new goalie coach bring to Elvis to make him great again? Well, that is a very good question. That new goaltending coach is Nicholas Backstrom. He is new, but not so new to the Blue Jackets, as it turns out, because Nicholas has been with the organization for the past four years. Former NHL goaltender, spent the bulk of his career with the Minnesota Wild, had a great career with the Minnesota Wild, as a matter of fact. Finished it up briefly in Calgary before heading off back to Europe once again. Uh, He's been... In the organization the last four years as the European goaltending coach slash consultant. Now, what does that mean? What, what's he been doing over there? Well, one thing that he did is when Daniil Tarasov was playing in Finland before he came over to North America to play, he was working with uh, Daniil Tarasov, so he knows him extremely well. You're also, when you're in that position in Europe especially, you're always scouting. You're always looking. You're always trying to to find new goaltenders and, and bring those reports with you back to the organization. You come in for the amateur scouting meetings, and, um, you know, the it's hard for regular scouts to scout goaltenders. You know, most guys will tell you that they don't understand goaltending. Most GMs will tell you that. Most coaches will tell you that. Most scouts will tell you that. Goaltenders understand goaltenders, right? It's very easy to sit there and watch a goaltender and say, well, he stopped every shot. He must be okay. There's much more to it than that. So Nicholas Backstrom has been helping the organization 
in that regard as well. You know, putting together reports on goaltenders, bringing that information to Yarmo Kekalainen and his scouting staff. So that that's all been a part of what he has done. Now he is going to be with the team day in and day out with those the assignments of uh, having the goalies ready to go every day. And as Coleman has just said here, what about Elvis? That's the big question when it comes to the Blue Jackets. It's mostly Elvis. Elvis was good. Now he hasn't been very good. How are they going to get him good again? They have to get him good again for the amount of money that he's making. they got to get him good again. What can Nicholas Backstrom do to help Elvis to get good again? There's no need for me to answer this question for you because I have the answer from Nicholas Backstrom himself, or I have an outline for you from Nicholas Backstrom himself. And a lot of what he's going to put into being a goalie coach is going to be looking back at his own career, the coaches that he dealt with, the things that he dealt with, how he handled those things, and probably right now how he thinks some of them he could have handled better than he did at the time. Bringing that experience to the Blue Jackets goaltenders is going to be first and foremost, but I've talked about this with you numerous times with Elvis Merzlikens, to me, it's a lot more of the psychological part of the game, not the physical and the drills and part of the game. You know, it's 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 not the technique and the fundamentals. It's the overthinking, kind of backing yourself into a mental corner and then making a mistake when you do that. So how is Nicholas Backstrom going to work with Elvis Merzlikens to try to remedy that part of his game as a big part of it? Well, this is what Nick told me. I think it's different. It, it's probably different with different players, but if I use my my own, uh, my myself as an example, looking back, like for sure, it's a lot of the physical stuff. You you have to be in good shape. It's a lot of the technical stuff, but it's mental. Uh, the goaltending, it's a lot of the mental part too. And uh, I've been fortunate. To, uh, I had really great goal goal coaches when when I was playing and. Sometimes the best practice we had, we, we were out on the ice probably for an hour, but it could be half of that time we used to talk, not just about the game, but, but about life. So it's, it's trying to learn uh, what works for, for everyone. And uh, like I said, everyone's different. So it's, it's a progress. You have to, to learn the person behind the, behind the goal is so you can try to help them the best way you can. I don't think it's just goaltending. It's any. Every sport, you have to go step by step. You can't really cheat or uh, jump. You have to start from ground and build up. And the talent is there. There's all our goalies have played a really great game. And going back to a question like Elvis, he's he's been playing so really really great games in NHL. He proved he can play at this level. So there's no reason why he can't do that on a daily basis. It's uh, the talent is there. He's a great goalie. It's just now to try to to get it every day but he's a good goalie you don't get to the league by not being a good goalie you don't play great games there's a lot of talent and uh, you know it's every season it's a new start uh, every season you start from scratch and you you build up so it's it's always a new opportunity a new opportunity that's exactly what it is for Elvis Merzlikens in many ways and it starts with a new coach a new voice a new perspective And that's what the Blue Jackets are hoping that Elvis gravitates to immediately because they need him to get straightened out quickly. Now, again, Yarmo has done his due diligence in trying to help that outside of Elvis the person, outside of Elvis the goalie. And he's done that by acquiring Ivan Provorov and Damon Severson. 
He's done that by hiring Mike Babcock as a head coach whenever that comes to be official because that's going to be two NHL defensemen, like legit NHL defensemen, that are going to be put into the rotation of six, if you will. I say rotation. Probably going to be a rotation of one, not a rotation of six. You've got Zach Wierenski back, Severson, Provorov. Good Branson is part of that. Uh, so there's four guys. Now, where are we going with the other guys? We talked about this the last time that I did a show. Boquist, Bean, Peak, all still here right now. Blankenberg, they're all here. How are they going to work into all that? So Yarmo has gotten a coach that has a, a, a plan, a real plan, a proven plan, a plan that has gotten his teams to the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final and won a cup, got a plan, got people to execute that plan, and now you just need the goalie to do his job on the back end as the last line of defense. So when Nicholas Backstrom talks about opportunity for all the goalies, and look, Tarasov's got a great opportunity here too. He's got to stay healthy. He's going to be in the league. He's going to share time with Elvis. They're going to battle. I don't care what the paycheck is between one and the other. They're going to battle for that spot. When you have a new coach, let me take that back. When you have a new head coach and you have a new goalie coach, and you finished next to last in the league last year, there's going to be a battle. Nothing is going to be given to anybody. Now, you could say, well, Johnny Gaudreau's going to get what? Okay, all right, all right, all right. I'll capitulate on that one. But I think when it comes to goalies, it's going to be a hot hand kind of a thing, and you're going to have to win a job in training camp. So for Elvis, he has stayed in Columbus this summer really putting his mind to making sure that he is right and he is set and he is ready to go. And he's got this new opportunity with a new voice, a new perspective, all that stuff. So that's what Nicholas Backstrom is going to do. Again, he's a, you know, he's a good guy and and he's a, he's a great thinker. You can tell from talking to him that, that he's a great thinker. He's got this planned out. It's not like he was, in the organization for four years doing his thing, and then all of a sudden one day uh, Yarmo said to him out of the blue, do you want to be the full-time goaltending coach in the NHL? Don't don't think that that's a mistake. I mean, he's been around. The organization knows him. He knows the organization. He knows the guys he's working with, and he feels that he can push the right buttons to get them to go into the right direction. So perfect, perfect. We all hope it works, right? We all hope it works because if it doesn't work, then there's problems right out of the gate. So need it to work and uh, need Nick Backstrom to to be able to push those buttons that I talked about. So there's uh, there's what Nicholas Backstrom has to say about the Blue Jackets goaltending and about Elvis and Bruce Leakins and about uh, what he can do to uh, help Elvis to get back to the form that he was in once upon a time. Simple as that. All right. Let's uh, get back to some more questions right now on Twitter Spaces. If you're there with me live and you want to speak, all you have to do is request to be a speaker, and you can come on and do just that. Jordan has been patiently waiting, so let's bring Jordan up. Hello, Jordan. Good to hear from you, Bob. Happy uh Honors Day week and enjoying the draft week so far. How you been? 
I've been good. I'm ready to go back to work. I can't wait to board a plane tonight and go to work this week. I don't blame me. I'm ready. I'm ready for hockey season to begin. Uh, you know, one of the greatest things I've listened to a lot about, like, even with these questions, how do you feel about, uh, you know, Chinikov or most players getting their contracts extended, like, you know, getting the guys from uh, from Europe? How do you, how do you see even uh, Leo Carlson making the lineup with, uh, with the Jackets roster? So you you are just assuming the Blue Jackets are taking Leo Carlson third overall. That's what I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure they were going to pick him or pick um, the second round. I wasn't sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if they're going to take him. They're going to take Will Smith. If Adam Fantilli's going to fall to them, I I don't know. But I, I I'm kind of just teasing you a little bit there. But uh, you know that that's it, it's it is a great question. And I had another question that was tweeted to me from um, Fam SSJR. It says. How do you expect the top nine to look as far as combos go if everyone is healthy? So let me just um, – I was thinking about this earlier. I think Johnny Gaudreau, Boone Jenner, and let's say Kirill Marchenko, that's the way they finish the year. Let's just say that that is your top line to start the year. And then uh, Kent Johnson, uh, let's say Cole Sillinger has taken advantage of his chance to bounce back after being sent to the AHL last year and – and takes over at the second line center position, and then you got to put Line A on the other side of that. You're not going to have Line A further down than uh, the number two spot, the, the the second line that is. And then on the third line, what do you do on the third line? Well, Chinikov, you put him on the right side. Maybe Roslovic has to wind up being uh, put in. Mate, Roslovic could be the centerman on that line, or Voronkov could be the centerman on that line, which would push. Uh, Jack Roslovic over to the wings. So I'm going to I'm going to say that Vronkov's going to impress enough to make it out of camp um, on the roster. So that's how I see the top nine. Now that's that's today. I'm there's one or two of those guys that could be gone by the end of the week. I don't know. Could be gone by the time the middle of July comes through trades. But you know, as it stands right now, it's a pretty crowded room, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Especially if you're looking at these uh, draft pick numbers. I mean, I've been following it, like, ever since. I mean, not going to lie. I mean, what do you think about Babcock as head coach? Who do you see, like, if Babcock is the chosen, who would you see as another head coach? Like, in your preference. All right, well, he's, look, the, the, the reports are he's coming and nobody's killed those reports are just waiting for his contract with Toronto to expire. So there's, there's no need to even go into that. I think he'll be here. He'll, I, it'll be official by the weekend. I would imagine. I mean, July 1st is Saturday. So by the time this week's out, I think you're, you're ready to move. So there's, there's no need to even address that. No, no, I, I get what you mean. <laughs> Especially on a Monday. I mean, you're, you're just ready. You're just ready to go back to work. Hopefully whenever. Yeah, I mean, it's look. He's I. I'm excited about about him coming here because I'm excited for structure again. Excited for somebody that's going to be uh, that has the reputation of being a taskmaster, and you know, everybody knowing what their role is. I I think that's what was really lacking in the last two seasons is guys not really knowing what their role is, and and sometimes there'd be some guys that would figure it out or would finally have it explained to them. But at the same time, another guy or two would then have what they thought was their role disrupted, and now now it's just a mess. So um, I, I'm looking forward to everybody knowing 
what their job is and how they have to do it to stay in the lineup. Right, right. And as long as, I mean, they're looking at even Boone Jenner as the leader to set, to set by example. I think I've heard uh, many good things about how far he's accomplished with the team. And, it, and he says, you know, it takes one game at a time. It's not about going, you know, for the pressure. I mean, to push for a playoff race. But hopefully by next season, I think it's going to get better with leadership like him. And maybe even Zach could step up his game too if, as an alternative captain. Well, they have to. There's no doubt uh, about any of that. Thank you, Jordan. Yeah, they have to, and they will. I, I'm I'm with you on that. I I believe that they will. I, I think that's only a matter of time. I think you know, this year everybody thinks it's it's easy to just step right in and and be that leader even when you've been here for a long time. You know, I saw that on social media. What was it yesterday? The day before, Baboon Jenner. He's been drafted. It was been uh, 12 years since he's been drafted by the Blue Jackets. Unbelievable. 12 years. Those years roll by, man. Um, and he's going to get there. But he came in in a in a situation where, you know, that Nick Foligno and Cam Atkinson, Seth Jones, David Savard, that whole group moved out basically at the same time. So I don't care how long you've been there. And Boone's not a rah-rah guy. He's not a, a big talker guy. He's the uh, classic lead-by-example guy. So it's gonna. It was just gonna take him time to get into that, and and I think Wierenski is the exact same way. And then you had Zach missing essentially the entire season this year, so he didn't really get to grow into that role enough. I think I think they will both grow into bigger roles when it comes to leadership, and I think that they will be tasked to by their new boss. I, I think that's going to be a uh, you know non-negotiable. Got to get better at that. They will. And the whole team will benefit from it. Sean is next up on today's Monday Mailbag. Hello, Sean. Welcome to the show. You are welcome to ask your question. Thank you very much, Bob. Thank you, Bob. I, um, I'm with the launch right now. Hopefully it's not too much background noise, so I'll, I'll make this brief. Uh, number one, if you could call your shot right now, who do you think is going to be the Kirill Marchenko of next year because we have so many guys. I think that even a guy like Jordan Dumay is a possibility he made since he put the story out there. So what are, what are your thoughts on who is some guy that you can possibly see sneaking out of the lineup and having a major impact like Marchenko had? And uh, number two, are you doing one of these uh, next Monday? Yes. We're going to do this today. I'm going to do a show from Nashville tomorrow. That'll just be a podcast release tomorrow. And then, uh, yeah, we'll do this again next Monday with live questions. So that's that's the easy answer. i get that one out of the way first. Um, who do I think is going to be the guy? I think it's Veronco. And I'm not saying he's going to come in and have 22 goals, but I, based on everything I've heard about him for years, I think he's going to come in and he's going to take the ball and run with it, as they say. Um I look for him to be an impact guy, third-line center, physical-type player, in-your-face guy. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him. It's, I was a little bit disappointed to see this week that he's not going to be at uh, at development camp because of his visa issue. He won't be here until uh, uh, regular training camp. So I would have liked to see him next week a little bit just to get an idea. But I think this guy is – I think he has the makings of being that player. Now, if they were to draft – 
Leo Carlson at third overall, and if he were to make the team coming out of training camp, then maybe he's that guy. But I'm not 100% sold on the fact they're going to draft him, and I'm not 100% sold on the fact that he's going to be in the NHL. Maybe he has to wait a year. We'll, we'll see. Maybe not, but maybe. And Voronkov is already on his way over, and he's going to be here. And look, even if he, like Marchenko, has to go to Cleveland at the beginning because it's a crowded room or he has to get a little bit more acclimated to the game in North America or whatever, that's fine. I still think he's the guy that has the opportunity to do what Kirill did last year. They need centermen. That's all they've talked about, centermen, 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 centermen. And I don't care if you're a bottom six centerman. They need centermen, and they need a little bit more grit and tenacity. And that's what that guy brings. So that's why I think he has the opportunity to be that player, Sean. Bob, I didn't know that Bronkoff looked up the other day. He's six foot four. Yeah. He's 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 a big boy. And then adding him, Severson, Proborov, having Wierenski back, and even having a guy like Justin Danforth back who plays bigger than he his size is, our our team is gonna be different next year. It just is. Like you just made me you add that much size. I was so sick and tired of watching our defensemen just get pushed around all year last year. They were just taking blows left and right. I truly believe that the beta forward group will help protect uh, protect the defense, especially on the back check. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And again, if Carlson does get drafted, then he fits into that category too. Because what is he, 6'2", 200-some pounds at the center position? So I think him and Fitzgerald are just about the same size. Six two, two hundred, yeah. Right. So if they take him, that fits into that mold as well. I Here's my thing. And I'll talk with people about this tomorrow. Uh, and Sean, thank you for being on the show. Enjoy your lunch. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on today. Here's the thing, and everything I've read. And again, you know these guys that are going to be drafted on Wednesday night. I haven't seen them play live. I haven't seen one of them play live. I've watched video, read all the stories. You know, all same things you're doing, more than likely. But the thing is. When they talk about Will Smith, here, here's a line that has been used by different people, and it stands out to me, that he drives the play from the center position. He drives the play from the center position. Now, let's go back to Kent Johnson, who the Blue Jackets still are adamant that at some point he's going to play center in the NHL, and maybe he will. Maybe he will. But they've said about him, well, we're gonna we put him on the wing because he can still drive the play from the wing, uh, like Artemi Panarin. You don't have to be the centerman to drive it; you can drive it from the the wing. So that's what they're doing with Kent Johnson right now because he's he's still undersized and until he grows into his body a little bit more and, and and learns how to play in the league a little bit better, that's where they want him on the wing. Will he ever come off the wing and go to the middle? I don't know. They keep saying it; I, they have to say it. Because right now they don't have anybody else. You know, you make a couple of changes there and you get a center in the draft and you find another center through free agency or through a trade. And now all of a sudden you could say, ah, Kent Johnson's going to be a winger. It's fine. We don't we don't need that anymore. So that could change. They keep saying he's going to be a center. But they've got him on the wing. And they say, well, he can drive it from there. But they prefer, you can tell in the conversation, they prefer that it's the centerman that drives the play. 
They want it to be the centerman. From from now, this is maybe this changes organizationally with Mike Babcock's system. But Yarmo's always talked about the center driving the play. And with Will Smith, that's one thing that is a, a huge highlight that he drives the play from that center position. He's got a great knack for scoring, and he drives the play from the middle. So that's why, and I know, and this, look, Leo Carlson, they say, big-bodied centerman, great hockey IQ, understands the game tremendously. It's going to be good in this league for 15 years and set up his wingers and blah, 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 whatever. Okay? So th- that's his strength. But when I when I read about Will Smith driving the play from the center position, I just wonder. And I you've I've seen things out there, right? I I've seen things about the Ducks. Uh the Ducks and uh, the Ducks don't know if it's Fantilli or Carlson, they have them ranked pretty much neck and neck. Then you read the other guy's stuff and he goes, "Uh there's no way that they're going to pass on Fantilli and take Carlson." So Nobody knows, I guess, until it all happens, until it all comes down. But if Will Smith turns out to be the guy, if if he is drafted by the Blue Jackets, I look forward to asking Yarmo about what I just said, about uh, the strength of driving the play from the middle of the ice and what that meant to the organization, how badly they wanted that. And the answer, I mean, if that is part of it, and the answer would be they wanted it badly enough to wait for at least a year of college for Will Smith. So we'll see. We'll see how it all goes down on uh, Wednesday night with that number three overall pick for the Blue Jackets. Monday mailbag leading into the 2023 NHL draft at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee. Jonathan is next up to ask a question. Hello, Jonathan. Hi, Bob. Happy draft week to you. And the same to you. uh, Thank you. And can I just say, as, as fun as it is kind of leading up here, I am really looking forward to a point where the highlight of our year as Jackets fans is not the draft. Huh, no kidding. Wasn't it nice to be out of that for a while when Tortorella had the team going to the playoffs every year? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just, it, it's fun talking about these prospects, but good golly, I, I'd much rather be talking about we've been in Tampa Bay and they, doing things like that with our season as opposed to this. I agree. Drafts and, and you We've been talking about this since January or before, even. So, oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, January. That's being nice. I think it was. Yeah. I think it was during the Christmas shopping season. For sure, for sure. So this, you know, with all the speculation, with everything, I think that there's no doubt that if the Ducks pass Pantelli, I think there's no doubt that we take it. Um, but as far as the debate between Carlson, you're more sure than I am. I'll tell you that. You're way more sure than I am. I- Fair, fair. I, uh, I, that's that would be my guess. I, I put money on it, not a lot, but I put money on that. That's a wise man, right there. Thank you. So, but I, what, what I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on from people you talked to is, is do you think who has the higher floor and higher ceiling between Carlson and Smith? Because that's kind of where I feel like this conversation keeps kind of coming back to, but doesn't get stated that way. It seems like Carlson has a higher floor potentially. Whereas Smith may may has the chance maybe be an even bigger off, especially offensive superstar. Yeah, that's just would be kind of oh, that. That's the same impression I get from people I talk to and the things that I read to, and it's but the other impression I get is that Carlson, you know, he might be able to step in right now and start at the floor, right, and start building. Whereas 
for Smith, he's as I said, he's going to go to Boston College for at least a year. And then how long is it going to take for him to reach that ceiling? And is it, um, well, it'll be within the Blue Jackets window, I guess. So I, they, maybe they, they don't care. Um, but when he does come in, I, I just wonder if Carlson reaches the floor or the basics of playing in the National Hockey League faster than Will Smith does. And, and there's no way to know that until until you see them play, right? So, but I think, I think skill-wise that Will Smith has the higher ceiling than Leo Carlson. Again, I think Carlson is, is a guy that is going to be, hey, I'm big, I'm smart, I know how to use the guys around me, and I can score too, and he's just going to be, you get what you expect for however long his career is. That And Will Smith, I, I could see him coming in, and, you know, I, Ken Johnson, I think you got to compare him to, right? I mean, look at Kent Johnson. He comes in at the end of the year last year, or the year before last now, and, you know, he he plays a little bit, and he shows some flashes. And then last year, it takes him a little bit of time to get cranked up and finally get a goal. But then once he does get it going, by the end of the year, he's got 40 points. So I think Smith is going to be like that. I, some of those uber-talented guys that are really young, it, it just takes the experience, and, and you can't create that experience in the NCAA and in the AHL. I mean, you, you've got to experience it in the National Hockey League. For sure, for sure. I, and I think it's, it's just hard for us to ever get away from, from, you know, with the Goudreau signing, um, that, that we there's, there is, like it or not, pressure for that window to be open within the next two to four years to try to capitalize on having a guy like him on your team. You know, so whether... I, I, there's no way that you would go back in time and not have Johnny Goudreau sign at Columbus. I, I love it. I love that he's here, all that stuff. But it definitely, in a lot of ways, had to change the thinking about what guys you want on your team because you don't want him, you don't want him being year six, seven for Will Smith to be coming online at that. No, no, you can't. You're absolutely right. I mean, here he is, year two of a seven year deal, right? So if it takes Will Smith two more years, now he's four years in. He's got three left, and he's aging. Not just the length of the contract, he's aging. So you're absolutely right. I, did, I mean, Johnny, as you just said, if Johnny Gaudreau's agent calls and says he wants to sign with your team, if you say no, then you probably should be fired. You're not going to say no. You're going to take that player. But when you're in the midst of a, a retooling, it really puts it on steroids. You're absolutely right. Because now you got to go. You don't have time to sit around. I don't have two more years to wait here. In two years, I've got to be going like I like to me if they miss the playoffs this year they at least have to be you know on the bubble or you know within a within a shot of it and then by next year you got to be in yep for sure well thanks Paul have a great time in Nashville thank you Jonathan appreciate it if you'd like to get on board you can do that if you're live on Twitter spaces with me right now all you have to do is request to be a speaker and uh, you could be up next and ask your question about the Blue Jackets who are getting set to go to Nashville for the 2023 NHL Draft. Noah is next up on the show. Hello, Noah. Noah, are you there? Says that you're there. Hello, Noah. Well, it looks like the... Oh, hold on, hold on. Noah, are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, how are you? I hope the call is low drag from the world's... the NHL the Stanley Cup next year. You hope the chances are that the chances of that to win the Stanley Cup next year, um, the chances are low because I mean when you finish next to last, 
first of all, to get back into the playoffs would be a big step. To win the Stanley Cup would be – the chances would be very low, but it, the answer is never zero, Noah. Right? Right. I've been throwing on the Columbus Blue, Dress, Blue Jacket since last season. I'm from Texas. Very nice. Why do you follow the Blue Jackets? <laughs> what are you What are you doing right now? Where are you playing video game or something? I'm playing Madden. Madden. Yeah. Very good. I mean, because you you've got that that music is just like inspirational arena music right there. So that's that's a good job to come on and make your comments to that in the background. Uh, it's... Well, no, you haven't. You have anything else? You have anything else for me? The guy that they drafted, he's how long do you think he'll stay in college? Uh, if they draft Will Smith, how long do I think he'll stay in college? Um, yeah. If he has a good season, one year. If he struggles, maybe two. But I, I, I right now I would tell you one year. He's close to the house. All right. Well, thank you, Noah. I appreciate it. Uh, good luck on your game. What's that? Thanks. Thank you for having me on this show. Absolutely. Thank you for being on my show today. I appreciate that. Noah's in Texas, and he's following the Blue Jackets, and he's getting on Twitter spaces, and he's talking all about the Blue Jackets. How about that? <laughs> little final countdown in the background. I love that. It was uh, almost WWE-esque right there, right? They have the final countdown playing in the background. Here's a guy that will have nothing playing in the background. But in the foreground, he's going to be on top of it. Lester, welcome to the show. Yeah, he and I have something in common. I don't know why I like the Blue Jackets. But since you're going down in Nashville, you know, I've, I've enjoyed the ride. I'm reminded of a country song that George Jones and Tammy Wynette once sang. And I'm not a country fan, but the title of the song was Even the Bad Times Were Good. Not <laughs> wow. That was a Jackets fan. I, I I still enjoy it no matter what. Well, that's good. Anyway, yeah. Um, so far as the draft is concerned, I, I figure Fantilli isn't there, but if he is, they'll take him. If he's gone, then it comes down to Smith or Carlson. And if they take Carlson, okay, it is what it is. But if they take Smith, it tells me that they may have a trade in the works that's going to bring in a, a center, and that's why they can afford to take Smith because they buy him some time. So it wouldn't be surprising to me if something like that went down. The guy I wonder about there right now is Jack Roslevic, and here's why. I think he's between a rock and a hard place right now. He hasn't played to their expectations, and he's coming up on a contract year. So if he has a good year because he's in a contract year, he'd want to raise, and they might not be able to keep him anyway because of the salary cap. But what I would like to see is him not be traded this week for them to keep him going into training camp because I'm still not completely sold on Cole Sillinger being NHL ready and to at least give Sillinger time to start the year in Cleveland. And maybe you could see if Roslovic kind of breaks out because he's in a contract year. And I'd also hate to let Roslovic go before I gave him a little bit of experimental time on the wing. So that's kind of how I see that right now. So I, I'd hate to see Roslovic go right now, but if they move him, they move him. It is what it is. They may have to if they're trying to bring somebody else in. I think his best chance of having happen what you just described is 
getting a new coach that might be able to find something in him. Because outside of that, I think that opinions have already been determined. I think that, you know, they, they've seen this show before, right? Like they saw him two years ago get hot at the end. They gave him a two-year deal. And then they watched him revert to being the same guy he was uh, before when when he was, you know, not getting his job done and driving them crazy. And then he did his job and did it really well, and they gave him the money. And then they watched him revert to being the guy that drove him crazy again. So I think from an organizational standpoint, I think he's kind of, uh, as you described it, between a rock and a hard place. I think the only chance that he has to even make it to, uh, well, I, I don't know that he makes it to training camp, but if he does, I think his only chance is, is if um, a new coach can get something different and more consistent out of him because he's, he, he's got to be on the block. And as you said, he's only got one year left on the deal. And uh, I, I think that's a guy that if they can do it in the summertime and get something back that, uh, that they want, I think they're going to do it in the summer. Do you think, though, that if he did make the team this year and he's in a contract year and he did play well, they would get better assets for him when they moved him than opposed to if they moved him now? Probably, but there's so many ifs there. What if he plays like he did this year? Because if he does that, then you don't want to sign him and you're not going to get anything for him. So I, I, I think that's where, if I'm looking at it, as a general manager, that that's where I'm at right now. And I'm like, that's a risk, boy. That's a risk. Like, all he had to do this past season was build upon the end of the season before. That was it. Or it'd stay at least at that level of consistency. Even if he didn't get any better, he was good enough that they were cool with everything. But he didn't. He reverted. And he continues to revert here. And that's, that's the problem with him. So I wouldn't be betting that he's going to take that step even under a new coach and what history shows me is this is a player that he is and so i don't i i wouldn't have the patience to wait and see what happens because i'd be afraid of getting stuck right okay and one other topic i want to kind of brush on here potential centers that the blue jackets might be able to go out and bring in if you're looking free agency probably the best one is ryan o'reilly now, I know he's not really a top-line center anymore, but uh, yeah, I'll tell you something that's kind of a, a criteria. If I heard Tortorella say it once, I heard him say it a million times, the game is all about puck possession. And I would like to have somebody come in who's a beast in the face-off circle, especially when you get into those overtime games, because you never know when the first possession is going to be the only one, and that's the one that wins it. And so I'd like a guy who can help us possess the puck as much as possible. O'Reilly's still good. He's still about 54%. And then you got Lindholm. He's about a 53% guy. Lindholm is only 28, but he's going to want a lot of money. And I don't know if they could fit him in, even if they could trade for him and extend him. So that leaves a couple of guys. You got Shifley, again, not stronger with face-off circle, but he's a fair big body. And he could be a 70-point guy pretty easy. A guy I, I like, though, he's he's not a big scorer. I, I like what he brings to the table, and that's Sean Gabriel Pajot with the Islanders. He's about a 58% guy in the circle. He always has been. He was 13th best in the league last year. He's also in the Selkie uh, conversation a lot. He's a very good defensive forward, as are Lynn Holman O'Reilly. The only thing he really lacks is size at 5'11", 185. I, I do think we do need bigger bodies in our forward group, especially the top six. 
But overall, I mean, those are the guys I see as the best who could possibly be available. I think the Islanders could pass could uh, part with Pajot, uh, Horvat, and they've got Anders Lee, and they've got Sezikas, who are all very strong in the face-off circle. And those guys are going to get a lot of playing time ahead of Pajot. So I would think maybe he's somebody, he's got three years and $5 million left, you might be able to get him. Yeah, I've I've always liked him too, and you, you're right. The the size thing is um, there's a lot of small guys on this team, and it is nice to see them getting bigger guys. So I agree with you on that. But even when he got traded from Ottawa, I was like, oh, what? Wonder if they were in on that. Wonder if anybody looked at that because I always thought he was a pretty good player. Um, as far as the other guys you talked about, Shifley. Here's the thing about Shifley, and I see people saying this on social media, and it drives me nuts. Oh, you wouldn't get Shifley. He and Line A didn't get along in Winnipeg. You certainly wouldn't bring him in here. Yes, you would. I would. I don't care what happened in Winnipeg. I don't care. Hey, you, you don't have to like each other. Just play. And just play well. It would be a, a new situation, a new coach, a new system. And things, nothing would be the same um, from Winnipeg except for the names. So, I, you know, for the people that say that you automatically dismiss that because of uh, – whatever may have happened in Winnipeg, I don't care. I, I'm i looking at the player, and can you still bring me something? As you said, can you win face-offs? Are you going to be a – can you be a leader? Can you be a veteran guy? Now, that's what I really like about Ryan O'Reilly. I don't care if he can't play the number one spot as much anymore. I know what he's going to bring when it comes to uh, leadership and accountability for his teammates and all of that stuff. We were just talking a little bit ago. Somebody asked about, you know, Boone Jenner and Zach Wierenski growing into those roles. I think a guy like Ryan O'Reilly would help them to grow into those roles more quickly because it's a great example to watch uh, what he does. So, but in, in Lindholm, as you just said, you'd have to extend him. So here's my concern on that. Not that he's not a good player. He is, but he's 30 years old. So if you're going to get him, he's got one year left on his deal, and then you, he's going to want to sign and trade, which means he's going to get eight from Calgary, probably at around $8 million. And now you're going to get a guy for nine years. Well, do the math. He's going to be 39 by the end of that contract. And I know that at the end of contracts, you're not getting what it was worth. Like Damon Severson's contract. Do you think he's going to be that player at the end that they're paying for? No, it's not. Or he's not going to be. But, you know, that's six years. I and mean, we're talking nine years on this kind of deal. That's that's the only thing that uh, concerns me a little. And for the player, when you're 30 years old, you got to get that contract because it's your last one. And you want, to, you want to be taken care of for the rest of your life. Lindholm will be 29 on December 2nd. He's a little bit younger than that. No, oh, okay. Well, still 37, right? Yeah, or, or 38 by the time he's done. Yeah, your, your, your point is that's a troublesome contract, 36, 37, 38 years old. I 100% agree. But I really thought when Boone Jenner went down late the season the last two years, and even when he went down for 11 games in December, they could have won a face-off to save themselves when uh, Roslovic and Sillinger had to move up a notch and go up against the other team's one and two guys. And uh, we had one game late in the season. I think it was that Florida blowout loss at home like in the last couple of weeks. I think the face-off percentage that night was less than 25%. I mean, it was really ugly. And so that's why I'm concerned with bringing in somebody that I know that if something happens to Boone, we can depend on the guy to go out there and, and win those draws. No, I know, and you're absolutely right on that. That is, the the faceoffs have been an issue for a long time. And, you know, we always talk about if this was a really good team that had a chance to win a Stanley Cup, Boone Jenner would probably be a third-line winger and he wouldn't be a centerman. So he's playing top-line center, and one of the things he can do better than everybody else 
is win draws. That's most of the reason why he's playing at the center position right now. So absolutely right on every point there. All righty. Hey, Bob, great talking to you. Have a safe trip down to Nashville and back. We'll look forward to listening to you on the radio. All right. Tonight. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Uh, it is the Monday mailbag, and the Blue Jackets are getting set for the draft. And I am getting set here in just a moment to speak with Troy, who's next up on the show. Hello, Troy. Hey, Bob. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. I uh, have noticed a lot of these Islanders comments circulating around, and I actually live on Long Island, so I'm involved in a ton of Islanders conversations with my friends. And we know Lou Lamorello, a man of very few words, in his one press conference after their postseason exit, was hinting that he had five centers on his team, and that's one of the most valuable the way that Lou said it, he might as well have screamed it because it's Lou, right? Exactly my point. And people that don't pay close attention to the Islanders don't realize that Matthew Barzal was basically forced to play right wing when they acquired Bo Horvath. And your comments before about Ken Johnson ideally developing into a center because that's how they drafted him, and it's going to take him time to accrue experience and size, and that might take a couple years, like you said. Uh, a player in the Islanders that would potentially be hard to pry away, but I think would be ideal for a top six center position would be Brock Nelson. Yeah, that's the guy. That that hundred percent. I'm with you on this one. He has two years left on his contracts at six million per, which is very manageable, and it also doesn't anchor you down to extending him after this. And one thing I know about Lou Lamorello is. He loved constructing teams like they were for 1986. <laughs> and he loved shot-blocking defensemen. And Andrew Peake would slide in nicely at the Islanders because their rumors are going around that Scott Mayfield and the Islanders might not be able to come to terms. Andrew Peake's contract is very manageable. And he's top four, uh, top four. He's the fourth most shot-blocking defenseman in the league. I know it would take some extra pieces with Peake to potentially get Brock Nelson and leave that gateway open for a future center we have. So if Columbus potentially projects Ken Johnson to be a top six center and Brock Nelson would basically be the holding slot, would it really be that out of the question that CBJ could potentially draft Mishkov since Johnson's already projected to be a center? Nah, they're not going to do it. They're not, they, they've already showed their hand on it. Well, I take that back. They could still do it but they've been adamant that they're getting a center. If all of a sudden you turned around and you drafted Matej Michkov, who is going to play in the KHL for the next three years, and it could even go beyond that, nobody knows, uh, I would be that would shock me. Like taking Will Smith over Fantilli and Carlson would shock me far less than them changing direction at the 11th hour and taking Michkov um, third overall. I'm not saying that his talent doesn't, qualify him to be taken third overall I, I in fact I think if this team was at a better position at center if they didn't have Johnny Gaudreau and didn't have to be on this quick speeded up rebuild to get the most out of his contract then that might be a, a viable way to go but I, I just don't see all of that matching up the only way is if they could pull off some kind of a deal to to get another pick before another team takes Meechkoff and I I just that's another thing I just cannot see, can't see that happening whatsoever. I mean, because who's who's going to do that? Um, 
So I I just don't see them taking him. I, I really don't. I and look, this whole Ken Johnson thing, if it, yeah, you're you keep saying he's gonna be a center and he's gonna be a center and he's gonna be a center, but all of a sudden, if you get let's just say you got Lynn Holm and now you've got him for nine years and then you draft a centerman, now you don't have to rush him into that. Because now you have uh you're looking at having your top two centermen and you still have Sillinger and you still have um Jenner that can play there. And you've got Bronkoff as your third line guy and Corrali is your fourth line guy. And, and you know, that the Corrali contract will be coming up and all that stuff. But I'm just saying all of a sudden you could get into a position where you don't have to do that Kent Johnson thing anymore. You could just say, you know what? Ah, we're good. We're going to leave him on the wing and he's going to do whatever the heck he wants to. And he has less defensive responsibility and that's going to let him just fly around and pull the Michigan on everybody. And we love it. Yeah. And I honestly think I just brought it up. No, no, I get it. I, 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 I Well, here's another thing. Here's another thing too. You said Brock Nelson's got two years left at six, right? Yep. And how old is he? Do you know off the top of your head? He's. I think he just turned twenty nine. Okay, so you, you get him at thirty one. If you get him on a reasonable contract, like like if he likes it here and it's it's working here, that doesn't mean you can't resign him. Yeah, and I agree. And I always kid my friends that are Islander fans. And I say, look at Brock Nelson putting up all these seasons with 30-plus goals. Imagine if he wasn't playing with Pierre Engvall and Kyle Palmieri, what he could do. Imagine him centering Kent Johnson and Patrick Laine on the second line. Yeah. That would be insane. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and, again, I've heard that before. You know, and, you know, Pajot's name comes up, I think, before his, rightfully so. But, um, you know, I've heard his name, and that would be, yeah, if I could, if I could pry that guy out of there, I would, I would look at doing that for sure. Yes, and I, another thing that I wanted to add on was uh, moving forward, like, with the defense. Last year, Johnny Gaudreau made uh, comments about how he had a transition period because in Calgary, he uh, was used to playing man defense, and then under at CBJ under Brad Larson, there was a, they were playing zone defense, and it took some getting used to for him. And I realized there's not a direct correlation, but this is just, like, and I feel like an overwhelming majority of these teams that are in the lower portion of conceded shots, uh, they do run zone defense and they just allow tons of shots from the point. And I think people undermine how defensively responsible forwards have to be nowadays, especially now that defensemen are jumping up in the play as the game's changing. And I think that if Mike Babcock switches this up to a man defense, it, it also isn't a coincidence that the teams that play man defense, disrupt plays more, and force players to make bad decisions. Look at teams like Carolina and New Jersey. Like, they more or less just high pressure when they turn over the puck on offense to be able to let their other players get into position or maybe even get it back. And I think with the additions of uh, Severson and Provorov, it really does add a lot of skill to the back end. And uh, I'm not saying that our defenders last year should have been on the all-star team or anything. But I think at some point we do have to acknowledge like the zone system at even strength and like the depleted lineup more or less left the defenders out for dead half the time, which also just put Elvis and every goalie we had in a horrible situation. So I'm really looking forward to potentially seeing them switch to a man-on-man system at even strength and also adding a lot more skill and transition with Provorov and Steverson. 
That was very kind how you said some of them uh, didn't belong on the all-star team, because quite frankly, by the end, some of them didn't belong on the team. It was just how it was with all the injuries, right? I mean, there, there are guys that played in the NHL, played a lot in the NHL that under normal circumstance wouldn't have. Um, but it, And if you recall, at the beginning of the season, there was this hybrid zone man-on-man thing that they were doing. You remember that at the beginning of the year where everybody seemed confused as confused could be? Oh, yeah. Those first 8 to 11 games of the season where they were giving up five-plus goals every game. Granted, they reversed some of the top teams in the league like Carolina. Yeah, I know, but they didn't know what was going on. They, didn't, yeah, they, they, they were so confused as a group as to what the heck was going on. Because I talked to guys, and I was like, hey, what's the thing? And they're like, I, I'm not sure where I'm supposed to be there. And so they they eventually got away from that. I don't know. That's going to be, you know, again, new head coach, new system. So we'll see uh, we'll see what that brings. Troy, thanks for being on the show today. I very much appreciate it. Got to uh, move on. Oh, and before I do move on here, a couple of people like Brent had asked me the question: Where do you realistically think Meechkov could get drafted? Um, if he were to fall out of the top five, what would it cost the Blue Jackets to try to trade up and double dip in the top ten? I can't see that happening. Because I'll tell you what that's going to cost you at the very least. At the least. It's going to cost you that early second round pick that you have. It's going to cost you a current player. It's going to cost you a prospect. And it's probably going to cost you next year's number one pick for starters. And I just don't see that happening. Where is he going to go? A lot of people say Montreal might be interested at five. We got Arizona at six. They're in a rebuild. They could wait three years. Not a problem there. Philly is at seven. They're in the rebuild. They can wait the three years. They might want to have a highly skilled player. And then you've got Washington at number eight, who it's been uh, very much publicized that they would like to get the next Alexander Ovechkin. And they feel that that guy can be him. Will he still be there at eight? Will they have to trade up, try to trade up in order to get him? Will any of the teams in front of them be willing to trade up so that they can get him? That'd be interesting. Um, but I, I I don't think you can pick up two top tens. I, if Yarmo does that, he's a magician, and I think it would be terrific, but I, I just don't see it happening. Uh, and Kilch said, with potentially waiting on Carlson or Smith to take over the top center duties, along with uh, allowing Sillinger to rebound, do you expect the Blue Jackets to try and add a center either through free agency or a trade to bridge the gap? And we've talked about that a little bit here, so I think we've got that covered uh, for you. Um, Lamp says, do you think the Blue Jackets only acquiring a center with a draft pick this week signals that they view Texier, Johnson, and or Line A as a center as an option going into next year? No, I don't. Sorry. I, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong, but but I don't. I, I think they know they've got to get better there. And this whole Patrick Line A is a centerman thing, uh, if that experiment continues under a new coach, I'd be shocked. And I, that is not a knock on Patrick Laine whatsoever. I, I just think that they're going to move into a situation now where they're going to, look, Here's this is what you do well. Let's just do what you do well. Let's quit doing uh, experiments here and uh, go from there. Ecto is next up on the show. Hello, Ecto. Hi, uh, Bob. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Um, the question I had was looking at uh, this draft, uh, it's seen as a very deep draft. I've seen the comparisons to 2015. Um, do you think there's any chance that Columbus trades to try and get maybe a late first rounder, maybe even another second rounder pick? Because, you know, looking at where the drafting, they only have one first and one second at the moment. Yeah, I think they could do that. And, and you could even take that early second round pick and trade it into late in the first round if 
there's somebody there that they don't think is going to be there on day two. That wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Yarmo loves to do that kind of stuff. If he could make that happen, I could, I could see him doing that. You know, if you go back to the, um, is that the uh, Wierenski draft when he traded up into the 29 spot to get Gabriel Carlson? Uh, and he did that late. He, I mean, we, we thought we were done for the night. We were ready to leave the building. And all of a sudden, we have a trade. Well, put the brakes on. We're going back. So um, I, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't shock me to, for him to do something like that. Perfect. All right. Uh, another question I had is, I know obviously uh, David Yurichek is expected to uh, enter the lineup next year, at least from what I've heard. Um, it, what do you think the chances are that they give a guy like uh, Denton Matejchuk a look? I think he'll go back to junior. I, I think they. Um, one thing that Yarmo said, and this is everybody's assuming Yurichek's going to be here, but when I talked to Yarmo after he made the deal for Severson. The one thing that he said was, we don't have to rush anybody now. We can be patient with our defensemen. That doesn't mean that Yurichek will not break camp with the Blue Jackets. It doesn't mean that he won't play in the NHL starting in October, but it means he doesn't have to because they have other options now that they just weren't strong enough. You know, a month ago, he's got to be in the NHL because what are you going to do? You got to get better on the blue line, and he makes them better. Now, all of a sudden, whoa, hold the phone. You get a former number one from Philly. You get a former top guy from New Jersey, and now you don't have to rush the guy. But if you do bring him in, he also is insulated a little bit. Now he can make some more mistakes because you don't have to have him on the top pair with Zach. You can put him on the second pair with Provorov. Um, so th that just changed a lot of the dynamics. But for Matejchuk, I think that they can now let him just go through the process and mature without – trying to speed it up that that's what I expect to happen uh with him because he's a different kind of a defenseman right I mean he's not your physical guy he's a guy that is going to be slipping into all these areas all over the ice and, and scoring a lot of points and a lot of goals that's what his mo is so I think they would uh I think they would like to just let that one uh mature at um at a regular rate get him through junior get him into the American Hockey League and then get him into the NHL. That's what I think at, at right now that the thought process would be with him. All right, perfect. Thank, All right. Uh, th thanks, Bob, and safe travels. All right, thank you very much, Ecto. I appreciate you being on the show today. And uh, that has us just about wrapped up. Let me check uh, my list of questions, see if there's anything else in there that was not addressed here. Finn McCool says, who would you consider the greatest value draft pick in Blue Jackets history? I wanted to rephrase from the best draft pick because I still believe that honor belongs to Rick Nash, but considering value to the franchise, what round they were selected in in their entire career, who is it? Oh, that's a really good question. Maybe Oliver Bjorkstrand? What was he, a third-round pick? They got a lot of goals out of that guy, got a lot of points out of that guy, won a Calder Cup in the organization because of that guy, had a game-clinching goal against Tampa because of that guy, and even though they – had to trade him last year to make room in under the cap for uh, Johnny Gaudreau, they still wound up getting a third-round pick that was used to get Damon Severson. So he is uh, still producing for the Blue Jackets, if you will, because his departure helped them to have the capital to get Damon Severson or get his rights from the Devils and uh, get him into the Blue Jackets lineup. All right? All right. That 
is going to do it. Thank you for all of your questions today. Appreciate it, as always. And now, the schedule for the week. And I mentioned this way back at the beginning of the show. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to be in Nashville. I'll have a podcast for you. I won't be going live and taking questions, but I'll uh, get a podcast for you. Um, Aaron Portsline from The Athletic is going to be there. I'm going to talk to him. Going to try to track down uh, at least one other or maybe some others as well. There'll be uh, It'll be a who's who in the hockey world, media-wise. It'll be at the draft. Everybody will be there. So I'll try to track down somebody else for you there too. And then on Wednesday, first round coverage on the Blue Jackets uh, flagship station of the radio network, the Blue Jackets radio network flagship station. That sounds so much better. 97.1 The Fan in Columbus. Uh, we're going to do a show for you uh, starting at 7 Eastern and going till 9 Eastern. So we'll be covering that first-round pick, whoever it is. Uh, we'll be getting a reaction from some of the draft experts, be getting reaction from the Blue Jackets staff, um, hearing from the player himself, all of that stuff. That is on Wednesday. So mark your calendar, 7 to 9. 97.1 The Fan, live draft show. Jody Shelley and Dylan Tyre will be with me for that. And then we'll come back again the next day at uh, 10 o'clock. Is 10 o'clock Eastern or Central Time? I think it's I think it's Central Time, so 11 Eastern. Anyway, the uh, second through seventh rounds of the draft, we're going to do it right here on Twitter Spaces. We're going to cover it for you, uh, go through it, talk to whoever we can or whoever we want to that is uh, there in the building at Bridgestone Arena. Uh, take your questions just like this as we go along. All of that is on Tuesday, or I mean on Thursday. I'm sorry, Thursday. We did this last year for the second round, and it was great. We had so much fun, and we were on the air for like four hours just talking hockey and taking your questions and, and having a blast. So we're going to do that again on Thursday for rounds two through seven. Then it is uh, back to Columbus. Development camp begins on Saturday. The players report on Saturday. Saturday is also July 1st, and that is the beginning of free agency. So if there are any moves that are done through free agency, we'll have all of that information for you coming up on uh, Saturday. Also, look for a coach announcement, uh, an official one, by the end of the week. So we'll have that covered for you next Monday. I will do another Monday mailbag with you. And uh, we can catch up on the post-draft and free agency stuff that's going on. And development camp goes through, I think, Wednesday is the day that they are doing the, uh, they're doing the scrimmages on ice at Chiller North. So uh, it's going to be a big couple of weeks, two big weeks of hockey coming up here in the middle of the summer. And then uh, the hockey world will kind of go to sleep for a while. And then it'll wake back up when we get into late August, early September, and it'll be preseason games and Regular season games before you know it. Speaking of that, the preseason schedule came out um, last week. So if you haven't seen that, bluejackets.com, go take a look at it. See the eight preseason games that the Blue Jackets are playing. And the regular season schedule, I believe, is coming out tomorrow. So depending upon what time I get everything done with the uh, recording of CBJ and 30 tomorrow, if the schedule's out, maybe I'll talk a little bit about that. If it's not, we can talk about it. Whenever you want to, doesn't matter. So that's where it stands. That's where we are, and I'm happy. I'm excited. I, I'm so ready to find out who this draft pick is going to be. Which player is it going to be? Adam Fantilli, Leo Carlson, Will Smith, 
Matt V. Michkoff. Nah, I just, I, I don't think it's going to be him. I just don't. But you never know. Stranger things have happened. Thanks for being with me today. Questions are great. As always, I have enjoyed it. I will be talking to you from Bridgestone Arena in Nashville for the rest of the week. Bob McElligot saying so long.